Lord, any, any good thing that resonates from you, it's you who gives us the strength. We say, as the Apostle Paul said, in, in you we move and live and have our being. And uh, we also say, in you, through you, to you are all things. And uh, we ask for uh, words from heaven tonight. Uh, words that shape heaven. We thank you for the spirit of revelation that's here. We thank you for the angel of the Lord that's here. Give people um, ears to hear and eyes to see. We break the power of any deaf and dumb spirit that would hinder people from hearing what you have to say. Thank you for supernatural strength. And Lord, thank you for probably one of the top pieces of cheesecake that I ever ate this afternoon. Lord, that was just a really beautiful thing gift that you gave me. And Lord, um, without you, I can't do anything, but with you, I can do all things. And now, uh, let miracles follow uh, whatever you want to do here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great to be with you guys. Uh, who am I? I'm about to tell you here in a minute. <laughs> so, um, real quick, we have a resource table back there. If you're in the st school tonight, and I am focusing this on tonight, I know there are other people that are not in the school, but this is kind of a, a focused effort in uh, just kind of what I felt God wanted to say tonight, and also where Dave and Tracy, same thing that the Lord was emphasizing. And if you're in the school, uh, and uh, we'll hopefully make time at the end for some questions, uh, I find that we can really learn from each other. But uh, if you're in the school, just anything you want on that table tonight's 30% off. It's called the Send Conference. I think I mentioned it this weekend. Uh, probably uh, I did it with a father of mine a few years ago in Fayetteville at my home church. Really, really, really good teaching on identity. Um, some of the most revelatory understanding about identity. And this is called Encounter School. We've done one here a few years ago. It's uh, usually a Friday, all day Saturday, just teaching people how to uh, cultivate a relationship with God, and uh, so that's there, and then the, the book I wrote three or four years ago on the on Creation Reborn, which is just, uh, just a real desire in my heart, and I feel like God's heart for what He wants to do in the earth, and um, I, I just really believe it's the greatest time to be alive. So I'm going to share tonight, just out of my life, and just some experiences that I've had, uh, probably maybe been like eight years now. I was getting ready to, to minister in a school ministry, and the Lord asked me to share part of my story, and that's sometimes challenging for me, to sh not challenging, but different for me to share about myself, because I'm not necessarily a spiritual nudist. <laughs> you know, so when you meet him, and you like just unload, and like, one minute, you know, this happened to me when I was three, and when I was six, the teacher hated me, like, like, like I, I tend to, and, and uh, by the way, if you've ever heard that teaching, like, just, just open up to someone in the body of Christ, you know. No, don't just open up to anyone. <laughs> it's in one place. You're like, just come up here and just, just tell, this, tell this person on the prayer team what, what you're walking through. I'm like, no thanks. <laughs> I'm, because I, I am, uh, not that uh, I don't think that there's times of transparency, but I think it's very important who you share your life with, especially intimate things. So it got very quiet in here for a minute, but maybe, maybe some of you are spiritual nudists, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, uh, but, uh, but I'm going to share out of my life and hopefully some uh, 
some things that I've walked through, some of the things that I've learned over the years just walking with the Lord. And the wonderful thing is uh, if you're in leadership in any capacity or, or you're not, you should always position yourself as a lifelong learner. Always. And uh, so I, I've learned something, but I know about this much. But I'm going to tell you about what I know, and I think it'll help you. Uh, you say you guys had just had, you just had a son? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I really felt like uh, when you said you're having a son, it's an in, indicative of a, a, of a new season. And uh, uh, the Lord says a new chapter in your life. And that he's going to cause all things to be made new. And in the next two years, is going to be, uh, a gr- God is releasing a grace to you and your family to, be, to, 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 to build a firm foundation. And the Lord says, don't grow anxious. Even if, I feel like you're someone who hears from the Lord, and sometimes when we hear, we think it's like now. And, and there are things even the Lord is going to speak to you in this season that are for a different season, but he wants you to make corresponding actions, corresponding choices according to where he's shown you you're going for it's a new season of making all things new. There's a, there's a, there's a really strong purpose, anointing, grace. Jesus is actually touching your ears to hear tonight, right now. And, um, but it's like the Lord wants that house to be built correctly and so the admonition of the Lord to you is build wisely and build correctly. And the Lord says, even as you, you look, is it a boy or a girl now? Yeah, I thought it was a boy. Uh, the, even as you look at your child and you see and you're looking at him and, you're, and, and as a parent you, like, you want like the best, that's how God is looking at you right now. And because of that, he, he, is not, he, he doesn't want to hand you things before it's time. So the Lord says, let patience have its perfect work. Thank you, Lord. So, um, I was going to say, one of the things that was ringing in my heart just a minute ago was this. One of the things I've learned is that uh, spiritual or or the, the journey in the Lord and the journey that God has for you is not, is not like uh, putting a coin in the slot machine. And that, that uh, fruitfulness and success, and success is an okay word. God uses it in Joshua 1. Like sometimes we shy away from that. But success, and success, you can define it much, many different ways, but success is doing what God asks you to do, serving your generations, and making choices that impact generations. God doesn't think just your life, even your ministry. He's trying to think multi-generationally. And so, it, but, but, but success and fruitfulness and the ability to walk out the purpose God puts you on the planet for is predictable based on the choices you make. I was, I was listening to uh, maybe like six months ago uh, a, a teaching from Miles Monroe before he, he, he you know, he's transitioned. And, and I, I keep that in mind. It's one thing, I, I, I like that language. I don't say someone dies, especially if they're in Christ. Because if you're in Christ, you, you're never going to experience death. They might have thought you died in the car accident, but one moment you were driving down the road, and the next moment you're with him. You just transition places. 
but he was saying it, and, I, and I, it so struck me because this was a man who, who sat literally with the heads of nations. Even nations would, would demand that he come speak to congressmen, senators, and, and stuff. And he was a man who grew up in literally sleeping, uh, had, a, had a mattress on a dirt floor in the Bahamas. And, and so he said, when I was 13 years old, he said, I decided I wanted to be spiritually mature. And so he said, so I decided I was going to read the Bible through I think he said once a year. So he goes, so every year since I was 13, I've read the Bible through once a year. He said, I also decided I wanted to have a life of prayer. So every day for one hour a day, I decided I would have an hour time of devotional with the Lord. And then he said, uh, and then he said, uh, I decided I would fast, I think twice or once. I decided I would at least fast uh, 21 days at a time twice a year. And then he said, when, when, I, when I got married, he said, I decided that I, I didn't want anyone else to raise my kids, so I would get up early and have demo- devotions with them every morning. And so at 13, he's deciding that he's going to grow in the things of the Lord. And I'm not saying you'll stand in front of presence, even though some of you may and likely will, but I'm saying is your, 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 your purpose in God, and here's the other really good thing. Uh, the Bible says a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. No man, no denomination, no church can ever stop the purpose of God in your life. Like, like that's why for me, it's like, like I think like, like one, one day, you know, like, well, like my partners leave me, my board directors leave me, they take away my ordination. You called me. Man can only, man and women can only confirm what God has already done. That's why, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a, um, a business card that says apostle, prophet. It doesn't matter if Chuck Pierce laid hands on you. You know, you got Shiki Haihaya from Bishop Bill Hammond. And all that, all that stuff is awesome. But if God didn't say, it doesn't mean anything in eternity. So uh, that just was floating around in my heart, so I decided to, sh- yeah, shiki, hi, hi. I just decided to say it. <laughs> so, but it does say in Proverbs 22, one of my favorite ones, it does say, do you see a man who excels in his work? He will not stand before ordinary men. And uh, so I really believe that's one of the things that the Lord is trying to take us into integrity and excellence of spirit so we can minister to the world around us. Like the world is not looking for believing solutions, right? Like, you know, they're not necessarily, but if you have a solution, they're like, the, the, honestly, the, and, and there are obviously spiritual implications, but the world doesn't care about our shofar. The world doesn't care about our oil. The world doesn't care about you rolling around on Sunday morning or whatever. The world cares. They don't care anything about that unless it can be practically bring a key that unlocks their life. And then, if you, like, if you, if you can fix their, you know, the, the reason they're losing $2 million a year, if you can fix you know, the reason their employees don't act right, they're like, hey, do whatever you need to do. Like, come on in early, you know, like, do what you need. I mean, keep the tongues down a little bit. You know, not everyone might understand that. But if you got something, 
if you have something. I remember this Uber in L.A. And the girl, like, you, you felt it as soon as you walked in the car. You got in the car, and she, you know, she's, I don't know, she just starts telling me all her problems and stuff. And, uh, and I guess, well, I said, apparently today is a very good day for you. Oh, really? Is that so? I said, yes, I've gotten in the car with you. And she said, is that right? I said, yes, because I'm not broke. I'm not even cracked. My mind is well. I can help you, introduce you to the God who can help you with every one of your problems. Is that so? I said, yes, that's so. So, I grew up, since I was conceived, I was around the things of God. And, uh, you know, both my parents, I've mentioned it probably before, both my parents were believers my mom grew up one of 12, very poor in Puerto Rico. My dad grew up in communist Cuba, escaped to the United States. So when they met, they were both believers, have a sister who's older. And uh, little did they know that my training in the things of the Lord began the moment I was conceived. And my parents brought us around the things of the God constantly. Uh, I, I can say this with firm conviction. If I ever chose to... Uh, serve the, 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 the devil, the world system, however you want to phrase that. And by the way, uh, the, the reason it's so important to try constantly position yourself in a way where God is your complete satisfaction. Westminster Catechism, right? What is the chief aim of God? To love God and enjoy Him forever. If you, if you, if you don't get that one, you're going to worship something else really important. So what, what does he say? What's, what's the first commandment? I know some people don't like the commandments, but Jesus said he obeyed the commandments, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> uh, he said, what's the first one? You shall have no other gods before me. Worship me alone. But so they brought me up. I, I would say this, if, if I was going to choose to do that, I could never look at my parents and say, you didn't put me around the things of God. That would have been my sole choice. So I grew up around the things of God. I mean, we, my, my parents uh, were, were leaders in, in my local church, and uh, I, I still remember the, the commitment modeled in front of me that uh, I think when I was younger, it was at least like if a guest speaker came, it was a week. Now, when I got a little older, it was like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday through Wednesday. And I remember the, the pastor would stand up, or our pastor would say, and he's like, hey, I want you all to commit to coming out to this. And, um, and uh, my parents didn't like, oh, oh so we're going to go Tuesday night. No, they moved everything in their schedule to make it work so that they were part of that. And I remember one time we had parent-teacher night, and I was thinking, oh, great, we don't have to go to church tonight. <laughs> but they went to parent-teacher night, and then they went to the meeting. And it didn't matter if my bedtime was 9.30. You know what that meant? It meant at about 9.20, I'm going to the bathroom with my mom, and she's putting my pajamas on, and I'm sleeping on the bench that night till the service was over. <laughs> so I saw this commitment-type model, and I was a very active young child. And uh, one day, uh, I, I, you know, I was that kid running around the auditorium. 
and one day I, I run, you know, like, and I'm banging the drums, and my mom, who prays about everything, literally, brings me before the pastor, and this is a man not necessarily given to prophecy. He, uh, I'm like, like a tiny little guy, and he, he, he just pauses for a moment. <laughs> my mom's like, can you please pray for my son? He's basically driving me nuts. <laughs> Takes a lot of energy to keep up with him. And he backs up for a moment, and she said, he, said, he says to her, you don't ever have to worry about this young boy. I'm feeling an anointing like I have never felt, and God's hand is on this child. The word of the Lord starts running. And she held on to that. And I remember, I, I, I believe I was no more than five. I believe I was four years old. And I remember uh, my parents, or, or I was in Sunday school, and the pastor's wife, she, she explained to us, she goes, you know what? We've all done things that are wrong. And I knew that because my parents told me that. They weren't my friends. They were my parents. <laughs> and... So she's like, but, but she said, but Jesus is the son of God and he died for us on the cross. I, I say that to anyone in this room that no matter what ministry you're involved in, you have no idea sometimes what's happening in that room. And she said, Jesus died on a cross for our sins, rose again on the third day. And if we live with him, if we, if we receive him into our hearts, We'll live with him forever, and we'll never die. And that sounded good to me. And I remember receiving the Lord even at that early age and being around the things of God constantly and hearing, you know, uh, you know it, it's just, it's just a, a different way of growing up when you grow up Pentecostal, you know? You make some friends in school, and you, you like, like them, and uh, you know if they come over Sunday afternoon that your mom was going to invite them to church that night. And you're hoping she doesn't, if you were me. And it had been, it'd been tame for like the first, you know, the last month it had been pretty tame. But that night when your friend comes, they do the glory march. <laughs> you know, they're swinging off, the, they hadn't done it in weeks, but they're swinging off the chandeliers that night. And I remember being a little kid, you, you look up from the pew watching people fall out. And my cousin, my cousin, my aunt, uncle, they were involved. They had a church later. And I remember when we used to get together for family get-togethers, uh, we used to play the prayer line. <laughs> it's like, okay, you stand. And then we, we always did the lady who had the shakies. <laughs> so this is the way you grow up, you know. And... And we just, we just always used to think it was hilarious. And, and then when my grandparents were still alive in family get-togethers, they would ask them to, pr you, know, it, you know, we prayed about everything, you know. A lot of times we didn't pray with any faith, but we prayed. <laughs> God, thank you for our miserable lives. Like, it was, <laughs> it was really bad sometimes, you know. Like, <laughs> and that's the way I grew up. You don't know any better, you know. <laughs> and testimony night, Lord Jesus. <laughs> they would say things like, you know, I've been sick three, you know, six months. 
but praise be the Lord. And I'm going, that's the worst. I remember even thinking at seven years old, that's the worst testimony I ever heard in my life. <laughs> I didn't even say to my mom, I said, why are they praising the Lord? She's been sick. <laughs> even as a kid, you know something's wrong with that, you know? <laughs> and, you know, they almost outdid, outdid each other. You know, the devil came to my house this week. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but praise be the name of the Lord. We're going to get out of this 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 place someday, you know, <laughs> like I, you know, we love the rapture because our lives were so miserable. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, that's the way I grew up. But you know, as much as I think it's funny, as some of the ignorance we grew up, there was a lot of truth there. I still remember. I'll be teaching somewhere in the world and I'll stop because I'll begin to quote a scripture I learned in Sunday school. And when I was uh, seven years old, uh, I, I still enjoy professional wrestling. I liked it as a kid, still like it as an adult. And my mom, being a smart woman, she saw how much energy I had. She said, she said, uh, would you like to wrestle? And I thought, oh, it's like the thing on TV. And so I went to wrestling, my first wrestling practice at seven years old, and I was looking for the ring ropes. <laughs> and there were no ring ropes. But I, 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 I just so enjoyed this. Like It was like it became my life. And the reason I say that, because as I, I was around the things of God, I, be, I became excelled in what I was doing, I became very good, eventually started uh, wrestling year-round. In eighth grade, I was a state champion in New Jersey. And I wasn't necessarily a rebellious kid, but this became my God, wrestling. Because that'll happen when you haven't learned how to center your life on God. You'll look for something to fill it. I remember when I won the state championship, you know, you work all these years to do this thing. And I remember it was exciting, but yet there was like this void. I was thinking, is this it? Because there's not, there's not anything in this world that satisfies. And uh, when I graduated high school, I, I got a, a partial wrestling scholarship to a university in North Carolina. And, uh, you know, probably at that point, God was a part of my life, but he was not number one in your life. And, about a month into school, it was kind of a challenging time for me. Some things were going on. And uh, I'm a month into school, and this guy, I still don't remember who it was, he says to me, he said, would you, uh, I think you should come to this meeting tonight. This guy is really good speaker, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. And so I go to this, this meeting that night, and it's full with college students, I don't know, maybe 300 college students there. And I'm sitting in the back of this room because that's when you do when you're backslidden. And um, <laughs> yeah, that's where you sit. <laughs> so you can get out as soon as the meeting's over, you know. And I don't remember his text that night, but this is what I will always remember the rest of my life. Maybe somebody know, might know this guy. He's an amazing guy, Clayton King. He, he, uh, he's a teaching pastor at Dayspring in, in um, South Carolina today. But he tells this story of, um, of these guys who would preach the gospel in a Muslim nation. 
and they preached the gospel in this Muslim nation, and they would beat them with rods and throw them out. The next day, these guys would come back, and they would preach the gospel again, and they would, they would beat them with rods, and they, and they would come back. And I remember thinking in the back of that room, because part of the reason I went to this school was because I, I wanted to go to law school, and this school had a law school, and they'd offer me this scholarship, and I could wrestle, which was a, a dream of mine in college. So it's like, all this is coming together, and you know, you know, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And I'm in the back of the auditorium, and I didn't, it wasn't like I felt or sensed anything, but this is what I do believe as I try and learn from that moment, and it's this, that because my parents put me around the things of the Lord, it was like, to whom much is given, much is required. I, I don't know why, I had this sense. It, I love God, but I, don't, I definitely don't love it like those guys. And if I don't surrender all my rights to my own life tonight, suddenly my life will not turn out how God intends it to turn out. I don't know why, I just had this thought. I'm glad I didn't resist the Holy Ghost. But you know, I mean, you know what's coming if you've been around the body of Christ. Especially, you know, I knew some Baptists. They're about to give an altar call. And he says, if you want to surrender your whole life to God, maybe you've done it before, maybe you've never done it, but if you want to be all in, I want you to stand on your feet. I remember as soon as I stood on my feet, my entire life changed. Because back then, I mean, see, I just gave you some of my upbringing. There's a reason I emphasized some of my stranger parts of my upbringing. It was this, because I thought preachers were strange, especially traveling ones. Because the ones that came to my church, most of them lived in an RV, and they made their kids sing, even if they couldn't sing. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Back then, you, weren't, you, couldn't just, you couldn't preach. You had to sing, too. They had the eight tracks and stuff, you know, sing a solo. There was a solo every Sunday. We're going to, you know, anyway. So I stood up, but my whole life changed. What changed? As soon as I stood up, I didn't feel or sense it. It wasn't anything like that. I knew I was called to preach the gospel. I don't know. I just knew. That's why I say when people are like, how do I know if I'm called to ministry? I said, if you're called to ministry, you'll never question it because the call of ministry has you. So, so he'll make it really clear if you're called. And I saw myself, when I say saw myself, it just flashed in my mind. It flashed in my mind that I would go around the world, I would preach the gospel, I'd be in the, I'd be in the center of what God was doing in the earth, and I would see the miraculous power of God displayed. How did I know? I don't know. I never doubted it since that moment. And when, and when I stood up too, a seed dropped on the inside of me that it, I believe was part of my lineage that God wanted to give me. A seed and a deep, deep, deep hunger for the, for the things of God, for the power of God, and to know the Holy Spirit. It's literally that. I, mean, I remember like, it was like my eyes were open as I walked through campus. And here's one of the first principles that I learned. I didn't really know I was learning it then. But of course, I'm in college. You know, I've, you know you, 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 if you've been around the body of Christ long enough, sometimes you start saying things you know, that are real spiritual, but they're, they're just not God for you. Like, okay, God, do you want me to leave school? I'll leave school. I'll leave the scholarship. You know, I'll just do whatever you, you know. And, and all these moves of God were going on. And this is uh, 
uh, summer 96. So, you know, there was these wonderful schools popping up. And the Lord says, no, that's not what I have for you. I still remember. Because when you're sincere, God will speak to you. And he says, I have a school of the Spirit for you. And I was so excited until I started the school of the Spirit that he had for me. <laughs> so I remember that wasn't immediately, but I, sometime in that time, time frame. And I, I think um, uh, the, the next day, and the reason I say that is, listen to the Holy Spirit. Always listen, because now years later, in fact, he told me to stay in graduate school. Now years later, when I go to certain nations, they ask me, what do I do in certain nations? Oh, I'm a teacher. Really, you have a degree, and it helps me get my visas and things that I need. I didn't know it then. I also didn't know part of my assignment. And really, to be quite honest with you, that was the most, really, God spoke to me about my ministry until many years later. But I do believe he, do, he does that. He will give you a flash of what he's called you to do in moments of time, not so you can begin to make choices according to the dream that he's given you and the purpose and the vision for your heart. I believe he wanted me to a- anchor me in something because he knew that in the next maybe 10 years of my life, uh, lots of things that I didn't plan happened, but he was going to really enjoy happening to me. Over, over the next few months were going to happen. He wanted to keep me anchored. Hey, this is where you're going. So the next day, I remember I had this little red Bible. I had, uh, my dad had given me when I went to school my first semester, and I hadn't read it all semester because you don't have time for that when you're chasing girls. Uh, so, I remember I opened the Bible and I said to God, I said to him, I said, God, I'll do, from this day forward, I commit my life to you. You know what I've learned about that, too, is I've learned I have to be intentional in making my commitment to the Lord. I didn't just do it that day. I learned I got to do it. I, I try and do it at least once a week. Get out my communion and say, Lord, with your help, I choose to put you first to love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind. I choose to put the word of God above anything and everything in my life. I choose to follow your voice. So I'm asking, Lord, that you give me wisdom and understanding to follow your voice. And Lord, I can't do anything on my own strength, so thanks for helping me give me the strength to do it. Amen. And then I do it the next week because it's not just a one-time choice. I know sometimes people, Christians get all, how can a Christian have a demon? A Christian can have anything in hell at once. (laughs) 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 So, I remember that day, and I said, so I said, I, I said to the Lord that day, I said, I'm going to talk to you. You and I are going to know each other. And I, I was, I was so, determined that I was going to know the Lord. And I don't necessarily uh, say that this is actually a great practice, but I was trained as an athlete, so I, I said, I, I'm, I'm going to talk to you today. And I remember I had talked to God, this is like 
first time really trying to engage the Lord, talk to the Lord. I did know one thing that really helped me through this process, and it was this. James 4, verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So I knew I can miss it, but you would never lie to me. You know enough to help you along the way, doesn't it? So I said, I'm going to talk to you. So I remember I'm sitting at this little desk in this dorm room in North Carolina. And, you know, you, at least me, I prayed for everything I could ever pray about in that moment. Like, you pray for your dog, your cat, everything, you know. You're thinking at least 30 minutes have gone by and five minutes have gone by. And I remember, honestly, I remember looking up. I said, how do people talk to you? This is so boring. But I remember, I remember this. I remember that, uh, again, I said, he's got to come close to me. And I just said, I don't care how boring this is. I'm not going to move for 10 minutes a day. And what, what happens is, see, your, your spirit, back to this training thing, your spirit is meant to be educated and it will react according to how you're educating it. And because I was serving my, I was serving the things of this world, walking after the patterns of things of this world, that whole thing, and we live in a fast culture. Think about this. We have restaurants where you don't even have to get out of your car to get food these days. Banks where you, you know, just go to the deposit. You know, you don't even have to leave your car. So we live in this fast culture. And so... Part of learning to walk with the Lord that is really important, number one, is the ability to receive, the ability to know where you start at, but also when you begin to engage the Lord, when you begin to have a fellowship with the Lord, you need to learn the discipline of quieting your spirit and the ability to receive from the Lord. So for me, again, I don't necessarily suggest, but it's like, I'm not moving for 10 minutes. And maybe like after a few weeks, it was like 15. Then it was 30. And then the other thing that happened to me that really helped me, like I said, I got hungry for everything and everything that was God. I remember back then, I think it was maybe Sunday nights. No, maybe that was Eddie Long on Sunday nights. But I would watch Benny Hinn. And I would, I would, I would weep watching his program. I'd go, I don't know what's happening, but this is awesome. <laughs> Holy Spirit, touch And like, like a month and a half later, I was going to this church, and this is amazing because now I have a tremendous relationship with this church. I've host conferences there. It's where I live now. I never knew I'd live there. But I, it's a Sunday morning, and this Pentecostal evangelist named Action Jackson was ministering. <laughs> he would run on the pews. That's what his name was, Action Jackson. It's not an exaggeration. Paul Jackson. In fact, Paul, where I live now, is credited for having one of the longest revivals in my little town in which it went for like six weeks. So many people healed and touched and he's uh, credited for building one of the, you know, helping build one of the biggest Pentecostal churches. But he gives an altar call for salvation. And I'm so hungry, I'm just like, I want every, everything God has for me. And I remember that he goes, son, you're saved, ain't you? Like he's real Pentecostal, you know, and it's Southern. 
And I remember the next thing I knew, he laid hands on me, fire of God goes through, and I'm talking in tongues. And I'm glad it happened that way, because I was scared of tongues. Not scared, I was just a right brain thinker. But, see, here's the thing. When you want everything God has for you, he'll give it to you. So that really helped this whole fellowship thing. So I'm talking to the Lord. And what I did in college was, I had wrestling practice in the afternoon, but I scheduled all my classes, this is an absolute true story, would schedule all my classes in the morning, go to lunch, lay down for about 30 minutes, and then I had anywhere between an hour, hour and a half, and that was my time with the Lord. So your first ministry is to learn how to have a relationship with the Lord. In fact, today, if some of my, all my other assignments end, I retreat to my public ministry, private ministry between me and the Lord. And I, I, I would go anywhere. I, you know, I, in fact, I went to that, that, watching Benny, I got these two, see when you're hungry, you'll figure out a way. <laughs> I didn't have a car my first year. I, I, I got these two Baptist guys to bring me to a Benny meeting. And I remember, I didn't realize the, 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 there, there was these huge crowds back then. And you had to go early to get a crowd. It's Reynolds Coliseum. And I remember uh, when I went, um, we were waiting online. A guy comes out and he goes, he goes, uh, listen, I only got one seat left. And we're like 50 feet back. And nobody raised their hand to go. And they both look at me and they go, why don't you go? You're the one who really wants to go. And they waited for me for this four-hour meeting to get finished so I could get ministered to. Wow. And I remember, so I would go anywhere. I remember Brown, I, I got, someone gave me a tape. See, when you're hungry, you'll attract hunger. Yeah. <laughs> That's why, the, you know, the two dysfunctional people who just got saved, a week later, they want to get married. Because <laughs> dysfunction attracts dysfunction, you know. <laughs> They're like, we just really feel it's the Lord. Well, it's something. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying all this, but anyway. <laughs> it's just, but I'm just saying, when you're hungry, it attract, you know, you attract. And thank God I was born in hunger. You know, I was born with parents who encouraged us. So uh, I got this tape, and I tell my mom, I said, Mom, you heard there's this move of God in Florida? I said, let's go, let's go, we're going. And, and back then, they, would, they, they had the, their school, and they had conferences and, um, every week. And I looked. And I saw this lady, Suzette Hatting, is preaching at this conference. And the reason I went that week was because I knew Suzette Hatting spent hours talking to the Lord. And I wanted to, I wanted to get, that's another part of growing in the things of God. Just put yourself in atmospheres where God's moving. It's great if you get hands laid on, but just get in those atmospheres. It'll, it'll just boom, boom, boom. Think, you know, just get around people doing the stuff. And the, I, I'm serious. I went to that conference because I, I was like, I, I got to break through. There's got to be more. And I remember she made this one state, South African. She was Benny Hinn's intercessor for years. Now she's got her own ministry. But she said in her South African accent, she said, most of my time with the Lord is spent in worship. And I said, what did she say? So you think, well, nobody's, nobody's discipling me in this. And I remember people would tell me, you know, like, like, oh, just, you know, you'll calm down soon enough. I was like, I'm thinking, I don't want to be like you. So <laughs> I want to stay on fire the rest of my life. Yeah. 
And, and so uh, I said, what? And I said, I, lo- I love worship. And I always worshiped anyway, but I didn't know you could mix the two. <laughs> so I got every live tape back then. There's still tapes then. Every live worship tape there was. I had it all. Like I probably spent every dollar I had to listen to live worship. And I, that's, that's why I, I had this big tape record in my, in my dorm room. And I press one side, then I go to the other side, and that was my, I, I learned how to talk really. That's where I begin to really walk with the Lord, learn how to fellowship with the Lord through worship. And most of my time today is worship with the Lord. On my off day, I have rides I go on. But I have an agreement with the Lord that day. Unless you need to tell me something, I'm open to that. But today is dedicated to worship you. And I'll just spend hours just like, okay, let's just talk. No, no, just worship you. Sometimes he says things. Sometimes it's just, you know, there's a phrase in Acts that says, and they ministered unto the Lord. So I just put myself, and then another very significant part of my life, that summer my mom said, uh, there is this move of God happening. It was the last summer I came home for the whole summer. There was this move of God happening. It was eight miles from my house, and it was very similar to what God was doing in Toronto. And it was so powerful sometimes, oil would drip from the beams. And I remember walking into the meeting, and there's like, you know, the meeting hasn't started. There's a lady in the back laughing. You know, there's people like everywhere. And I'm like, what's going on here? And I remember, though, when worship started, I was like, oh, this is kind of a strange atmosphere. And I remember, though, when the worship started, I began to weep. And I said, I don't know what this is, but I give my life to live for whatever's in this room tonight. And worship would go. It was it, like, it would go for two and three hours at a time sometimes. You wouldn't even realize it. It was just such a, a glory move of God. And, that's, and, and I credit a lot of uh, things, early things that happened just through those times. And it wasn't even like, I, I, you know, I wanted them, but I never got them. You know, like all these big name people, I didn't know who they were. They're prophesying over people. And, you know, I, 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 my, my, my roommate, my sophomore year said to me, he goes, man, you were saved your first year, but when you came back the second year, it was like, what is going on with him? Like something has changed. It was revival. And he was a believer. And that year too, the Lord connected me with a brilliant local church who really wasn't that, really didn't really experience that renewal. They had some aspects of it, but it was a more of a teaching, a, 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 a great teaching church. But the Lord says, this is where you're going to be planted. And I, well, actually, I'll tell you the story. I was looking for a church where God was moving, and my friend said, I think that you would like this church. Now, this, by then, I had a car. All right. <laughs> so it was about 35, 36 with me driving really fast. Really should have taken 40 minutes. But I go to this church on a Sunday morning. I went to the second service because you're a college student. You don't go to the early one. And uh, <laughs> now I do. So uh, I go in, and the 8.30 service, it's like 11 11.15, 
11.45. It's a large church too. I think, what's going on here? We go in, the service is kind of still going on, there's bodies everywhere. <laughs> the service that day, he, the worship went for two hours, he preached for an hour and a half, and then he said, I'm going to pray for everyone who wants prayer here today. And it got out at 4.30. It's a church of 1,000 people. Probably 700 then. And you know, after you pray that prayer, you don't need to pray, Lord, is this where I belong? You know. <laughs> but I learned something from my parents. I got involved in everything. And one of the big things that, they, that I heard it every week, I'm very close to my pastor now, I wasn't then, but he would, he would tell us, he would challenge us, have a relationship with God. I heard it every week. He was a brilliant teacher, but that was something you always heard. You got to have your own relationship with God. You can walk with God. You can, you know. And so I went to service every time the doors were open. We had amazing Roberts, came to our service, you know, all, the, all these big name people were coming in to our church. It was brilliant. And uh, again, but here's one of the things I learned. One Sunday, I eventually became a member of the church. One Sunday, they stand up. And they say, we need help in the children's ministry. Now, I didn't look at my gift test. I just said, the Lord called me to be part of this community. And they need me to serve there. So I started with the five-year-olds at that church. And now they're getting married. And they sit in my meetings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is the way to build a ministry. But what I'm saying is, another thing is, I say, yes, eventually it's important to, you know, go specifically where you're called. But sometimes what's important is just to learn how to serve the community that you're in. You know, some people, I, I need to pray about. They don't pray about anything, but they're going to pray about serving. <laughs> so, so it, it just, but there was something where I remember I thought I knew what the Lord had put in my heart. So I would prepare. I would make sure I was on time. I, I just, I wanted, I wasn't doing it for anyone. I was just doing it for the Lord. And then I'd serve, I, then, they, then they, they said to serve, and you know, you'd have these, I remember one time uh, I, I, I learned something one night. Uh, John Bevere had come to preach at our church, and all the other speakers never really talked to me. And he actually asked me who my name was. <laughs> and I saw this guy with this international ministry. And that night, I still remember, he got up and talked about the key to knowing God is humility. And it spoke to me as a 20-year-old kid that this man who was demonstrating humility to me could stand up and preach about humility. And so I just began to, to serve in that place. And eventually I finished school. The Lord told me to stay for another year. And I'm serving. And Well, actually, let me bring it back. Because my, my first actual ministry position, everything, this, I'm not exaggerating. Any door that has ever opened for me has been completely supernatural. 
I, I, the Lord spoke to me, or I felt like he said, I want you to stay this summer. It was my junior going into my senior year of college, undergrad. And the Lord said, I felt like he wanted me to stay because he wanted me to stay connected to the church. I thought I was staying connected to the church. And so I go apply as a counselor at this church camp, like 20 minutes from campus. I walk into this pastor's office, and he, he, says, uh, he, he says to me, I want you to be my intern. I didn't know all these people were applying for this position. I said, no, I just want to be the counselor. I have a home church here. No, I want you to be my intern. And I'm thinking, I don't really like your church. <laughs> Being very honest, you know. <laughs> you look kind of dead yourself. But <laughs> I think exactly what I was thinking, honestly. So I go back to, I go back to uh, my pastor. You know, you get counsel. You know, surely you tell me would they need the gift of God in their church for the summer, you know. And he goes, I think you should do it. I said, the devil is a liar, you know. <laughs> but I, I was this guy's, I was this guy's intern, and it was my first experience. I, I worked for this guy for a whole summer, and it was my first experience recognizing that just because you were in ministry didn't mean you were whole, it just meant you were called. <laughs> And it was a lot of challenging things. And this is what happened. The first Sunday I was there, uh, he wanted me to share, and I did. And God came in the room, so he didn't have me share the rest of the summer. <laughs> it's a true story. Absolute true story. And two things needed to happen. I needed to learn that that wasn't the most important thing. I also needed to humble myself and serve someone else's purpose. And so that ended, finished school, and this, get into graduate school, and I get this brilliant graduate school position. Other people wanted the job. I didn't even apply for it. I get it. I was really excited until I was in it. Because about a week into the job, I realized, there's a reason I'm telling you this story. I realized that the man hated me. I'm not, not like, not dislike me, but the man hated me. I know, I know, who would hate me? That's hard to believe. So I remember, it's like the second week of the job, it's a Friday. I'm living in this little farmhouse, and I say to the Lord, God, I don't know, you, you know, you know when you, you're being, you think you're being spiritual, but you need a Holy Spirit spanking? You know, you, you think you got like the varsity letter jacket on and you're walking around with poopy diapers on. <laughs> and the Lord says to me, that's right, you don't, you know, guys like, I got a degree, I don't need to take this, this guy's abusing me. And really, if I ever documented what was happening in that workplace, I'd have a good case for a lawsuit. And the Lord says, that's right, you don't need to take this, but if you don't stay here, I can't do in your heart what I want to do. I said, the devil is a liar. <laughs> I really thought that. <laughs> so being the obedient young man, I went to a pastor, you know, the pastor. I'm gonna, surely they would not want God's son to be abused like this. I give it to him as bad as it is. This is what he's doing, and this, you know, I think I'm going to leave. You know, that's, yeah, that's really bad. 
But I just think God has something for you there. <laughs> the devil is a liar. Big church. I'll find, it was a big church, so I went to another pastor. <laughs> I went to the head honcho this time. Back then, I wasn't too close. Now we're real close. So back then, in a big church, he, w- he would stay. He would stay, and he would greet everyone after second service. So I waited my time, and I gave it to him real good. As bad as, you know, none of the positive things. You know, when you really want something bad enough, he'll emphasize why you shouldn't be there. So <laughs> he looks at me, and he goes, man, that's tough. But I think God has something for you there. <laughs> devil is a liar. (laughs) Third time around. I called my dad. He'll help a brother out. I I told him how bad it was. I made sure I told him how bad it was. Threw in, you know, and then you throw in the suspicion too. I think it's because I'm Hispanic, dad. You know, I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, you're not even sure if it's happening. He, the, guy's, the guy's bad, but he's not really said anything racist, but you throw that in there too, you know. <laughs> That's good for some of you. Very, very difficult to judge somebody's motives. Be careful about doing that. So he goes, you know, Abner in life, sometimes we have to walk through uncomfortable things. And didn't you commit to be in that job? So I stayed. And I never thought of myself as a violent person until I got this position. <laughs> you know, back then, you know, post office was having problems with... And I would, I, I would think before then, like, why would anyone shoot up their work? That's really bad. And then I, then I identified with those feelings. <laughs> Not everyone in my workplace, just one. <laughs> but what, what it was doing was, because I say this, there's a reason I, I, I say this. The Holy Spirit is incredibly practical. And so anger and things that were coming to the surface. And back then... I was Puerto Rican, Cuban, from New Jersey, and also very straightforward. So if you told me I did something I didn't like, I'll tell, tell, tell you how it is. I don't care. Fire me. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm gifted. I'll get a job somewhere else. I don't care. And then I realized, and then I realized, it's not about what you think all the time, even when you're right. And there's a humility in serving someone. And that, I, that motivated me to finish my degree early. It's a true story, absolutely true story. I finished the semester early. That's December. And they're like, oh, you finished your graduate degree very quickly. I said, yes, I had lots of motivation. I finished that. In May of that year, I get offered my first full-time job in ministry. It's international ministry. This guy said, I want you to come travel with me. And again, I was still a little naive. And I was so excited. Thank God, my gift is making room for me. Oh boy, did I not know anything. And 
I really prayed about it. I, I actually did pray, like, is this really you, God? And God's, God said, this made it very clear, this is what I have for you in this season. And this is the absolute honest truth, and you don't know who it is, so it's fine. This, if I thought my first boss was hard, I went to graduate school with my next boss. And if I didn't stay in the first job, I couldn't have stayed in my first ministry assignment, and I probably would have aborted it, and I probably wouldn't be standing in front of you today. So I did that, worked, served that ministry for two years, and then I knew, here's another thing, you'll know sometimes when an assignment is ending, but here's a perspective that I always went in in anything that I've done in ministry, that if I committed to be there, I wasn't looking for the next best thing, I was going to commit to do it 100%, and I planned, I, 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 pl- I, I, I planned as though I'd be there forever unless God told me differently. And uh, so I worked with him for two years. The grace lifts, and we, we actually have a very good ending. We have a good relationship today. There's something powerful on the ability to honor when you've been dishonored. It's actually a key for your life. And I saw a lot of people who came through that ministry. Many of them handled it well. Many of them didn't. And many of the ones who didn't, one of the fruits I see is they haven't progressed very far. And... And um, so in that transition, somehow, uh, not somehow, I end up in New Jersey. I, I go before the Lord. I said, what do you have for me to do? He said, well, you're going to travel. I said, I thought he had the wrong guy. I mean, I knew that was in the future, but, you know, I wasn't ready. And the other problem with him telling me I'm going to travel is that the nursing home wasn't even inviting me. <laughs> and they want people to come. <laughs> And so I argued with the Lord for three months. And then, but I felt like I had this word from the Lord. And it was, honestly, there was a season there probably for two or three years in this ministry that God has for you now that really I felt very alone, very isolated, but I felt like I was hearing correctly. And I'm convinced one of the reasons that the Lord did that was to put deep inside of me, and, 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 and you do need people. There's times that you do pioneer, you know, but you know, usually that is for a, a season. But I believe, the, I, I remember driving down the road one day and, um, and thinking to myself, uh, I just feel so alone. And it was like God came to me in that moment, and I knew he was just impregnating me with this, deep thing on the inside of me. I'm the one who calls you, and I'm the one who's going to do everything you need to do. Now, he's going to use people, but I don't want you to look towards people. I don't want you to look towards a denomination. I don't want you to look towards a network. I want you to see me as your source. And so, I just began literally just trusting. I I preached for some people through this ministry and made some relationships, but Literally, I started this ministry. I started my parents' basement. I started with um, uh, 
a desk, a bed, and a word from the Lord. And no money. But what I learned since then, I had something way better than money. I had a word that would bring me all the money I ever needed. And I just, God just, it didn't, the progression and the growth and the public expansion didn't happen overnight. But I'd go, I mean, I, sometimes I would, I would uh, have my little black Honda Fit. I would, I would drive to four places on a weekend and preach to a total of 30 people in all four places. But you know, it was a great way to learn the word of knowledge because you're either really right or really wrong. And, and it really was. And, and I remember sometimes saying, we're going to have a miracle meeting to, to, tonight. And the people would get sicker. <laughs> Are you feeling better? No, I feel worse. <laughs> but I remember I was at this Church of God in Christ church in Harlem, New York. There's maybe 25 people in the whole meeting. That's probably... An exaggeration, but I don't know. But I remember on the left-hand side, there's this, there's this mom in the Lord, and she had something wrong. And, you know, the reason I'm telling you this is stay faithful to what God's asked you to do. That was one thing. At, at some point, I just got, I don't care. I will do what you've asked me to do. I don't care what people think. I'm not trying to impress anyone, but I believe I'm doing what you've asked me to do. And that's important to me. And I remember uh, I, I laid hands on this lady. I said, how do you feel? She said, Jesus! <laughs> and she started running around this Harlem church. And I remember it like unlocked something in the miraculous for me. <laughs> but what I've learned is... <laughs> Sorry. This is something I always ask. I, I work now a lot more with leadership teams. And it's this, is uh, like sometimes like, well, we, we started this and just nobody showed up, so we stopped doing it. I said, did the Lord t- tell you stop doing it? Right. <laughs> and I'm not saying there's not times we, we, we get wisdom or we switch out, you know, a day or something. But you, you have to follow through on things. I remember uh, when the Lord asked me to start doing our own ministry services and events, I remember I said to, I literally, actually, I literally told this to the Lord. I said, nobody's going to, I said, God, I don't think anyone will show up. And he said, would you do it if no one showed up, but I asked you to do it? I said, yes, Lord, I do it. I think you asked me to do it. And it put me at rest. And I remember that first meeting, we had a grand total of seven people. And, um, but I knew I was in the will of God. And what he began doing is we, we began having these meetings and people began showing up. I remember looking out one day, I'm, I'm like, how did you show up? And she goes, oh, I just, I don't know, just heard about it. And people just started driving from all around. And it moved us into part of the, one of the major things that God's asked us to do is like schools and events. We started one night meetings and then the Lord said, I want you to do more. I remember the first school we ever did, you guys send a, a group down. I'm thinking, where did all these people come from? <laughs> but, but even, even 
not, not even that so much. There was such a glory there where God confirmed something that he was doing. And, but here, here's, that's just part of my story, but here's what I would really encourage you to do. Really focus, and I, I've actually been really personally and also teaching a lot on this this year, really focus on, on and, and I had a dream maybe about seven years ago, and in this dream I'm walking back on my college campus, and I'm so excited to, 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 to be on campus because I can be more effective for God, and I'm going to be able to minister, I got more knowledge, and the interpretation as I understood that, and it's played itself out in my life, was this, that I'll never like arrive at anything, but I'll be constantly revisit, revisiting subjects in God. And I find that to, to keep progressing, to keep building as God intends, often he, he'll take out, he'll, 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 uh, he'll reveal and he'll give greater understanding to make a foundational strong, uh, stone stronger in your life so you can keep building that, the, the, the assignment, keep building what he asked you to build out of your life. Keys of life. Have a fellowship with God. Obey the Lord. Realize that uh, God has not given you just a new identity, but a new way of doing things. It's called the kingdom of God. Jesus did not die to establish another religion. He died to establish his kingdom. Realize that probably the circumstance or situation that you're in right now, God has sovereignly, this is something I do believe in the sovereignty of God, no matter where you're at, he's probably has allowed you to be in that situation to steward something in your life that's going to be beneficial in your long-term destiny. So don't hit the eject button before it's time. You know, it's amazing to me. I, I'll agree with people. Let's, let's believe God for you get a promotion. And they get the promotion, and then they like want out because there's unbelievers there. <laughs> They're like, this is a really tough environment. I said, I know God thinks you're well able to go up and possess the land. <laughs> and I find in the fellowship with the Lord, that's, you know, I've had just so many significant life-changing encounters with the Lord and that uh, I, see, I see our identity as wrapped up, I, excuse me, I see our assignment as wrapped up in our identity. I know sometimes people teach it differently. I don't see it like that. I am prophetic in everything that I do because that's who God has made me to be. I don't operate as a prophet. I am a prophet on the inside of me. People who operate strongly in deliverance, they don't have a deliverance ministry. They are deliverance. Everywhere they go, deliverance will happen. But if you don't really work on, 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 on dealing with the trauma, the inside, all these things, all that, the, the compass of the foundation will be off. I mean, you see, Tracy's a great example of that. She doesn't need to be in Redemption House Sanctuary to pastor people. She's just kind. She's just a church pastor right there because that's part of 
her God-given identity. So it's, it's on the inside of you. So I, I know people have different thoughts because they don't want you to be defined by what you do, but if you know who you are, it will naturally come out of who... Like, many times I'm talking to people, they're like, you have no idea how prophetic that is, and you're just talking to them. But you have to make sure the, the inside's right. Always be open for people to speak into your life. Always be humble enough to receive things from other people. You know, you never, you never graduate from certain things. Here's a big one. Stay unoffended. Yeah. I'll tell you this story, and then we'll open up for questions. Uh, when I started traveling, I went to a church in Georgia, and uh, God was moving so powerfully. They asked me to stay, and I had known this pastor since I was a kid. <coughs> and he asked me to uh, move to be a part of his church and still, be, still travel, but he, he wanted to give me... Uh, service once a week to minister in and things were happening and uh, things began to unravel very quickly and uh, I remember <laughs> you know we charismatics we, we, we have like a spiritual way of saying everything like well the Lord's transitioning me no they don't want me anymore <laughs> the Lord's transitioning me <laughs> We, it was that John Chris video where he talks about where they're like moving on. We just really feel like the Lord has something else for you. We want to release you to do what the Lord's called you to do. <laughs> and it's not here. <laughs> in any form or shape. <laughs> Please leave and don't call anyone in your life group. <laughs> but I knew, and, and part of my personality is like, well, I just, God, God, just this, he needs to come to me and just, Tell me he doesn't want me here. And one morning, the Lord, the Lord tells me, today you're resigning. I said, well, I don't have anywhere to go. No, today you're resigning. And it was so clear from the Lord that, uh, you know, there's some scary things when the Lord speaks. You don't want to violate that. You're in a dangerous place when the Lord speaks in that manner. So I resigned. You know, but still in the back of my mind, I was hoping him saying, oh, please don't leave. He goes, well, if that's what you think you need to do. <laughs> it's clear you want me to go, you know. So there's a reason I'm telling this story, but so I remember I went back to this little apartment I'm living in. Half Pint was with me then. God bless Half Pint. So I remember I laid on the floor, and that day I said, because I, I was not thinking good thoughts towards him. <laughs> and I was laying on the floor. And I said, God, I do not want to hold offense towards this man ever. I bless this family. And I remember laying on the floor. You know, I leave, leave that city. And about three months later, uh, I'm living in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm, I'm talking to the Lord one morning. And uh, the Lord says, I want you to call this man. And I said, I can't. I, I talked to him. I didn't say it. But, you know, you say things in your heart. I said, I can't do that. He said, the reason you can't do that is because you haven't forgiven him. I said, no, 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 I said the words. I don't think you heard me. I said it. <laughs> but you know what I've learned? He's always right. So I remember laying on the floor, and for like the next six days, I said, and this... This is going to have to be a work of the Holy Spirit. 
So I submit to the work of the Holy Spirit to take everything out that needs to be taken out. And I remember physically feeling God taking things out of my heart. And I called them up. I did what the Lord asked me to do. And I have always tried to live that verse to be at peace with all men. It doesn't mean that you'll, you know, you necessarily have to, you're going to be close or anything, but you're at peace with them. You know, I'm commanded to love you. There's no commandment to trust you. <laughs> trust is earned in the context of relationship. So listen, there, there's the story because there's great redemption here that happened last year. For years, and I'd always said, hey, I, I'm so sorry if I've ever done anything, if I said anything against you. And, you know, I, I've learned that sometimes people don't have the capacity to actually have those conversations. Oh, everything's fine. Yeah, that's not true. But, you know, but I always wanted some sort of, at least from his end, and I'm, I was driving last year somewhere on the West Coast, and the Lord speaks to me, and he says, I want you to write him a letter and tell him everything good that you remember about him. Because it always so bothered me that it just didn't seem like I had tried, you know, you can't make things like that happen. But I, I, I did everything I knew and, you know, to try and make peace. He said, right, every, don't talk, talk about that. Don't say you'd like this. Just everything good you remember about him. And then sow a seed. And he didn't call me, but for the first time, I think in 14 years, and I think it really touched him because I think he was going through something financially. I don't know fully, but I think he was. He, he wrote very kind things back to me in a thank you note. That's a win for the kingdom of God. Fourteen years later. But if your heart is for reconciliation, God will make those moments happen for you. That's another thing. So, you know, you really have to evaluate if you've really forgiven someone. And, and I'm not saying it's easy. Sometimes it's so painful. And it doesn't say, it doesn't say what they did is right. It just says you're, you're obeying what God asks you to do. And you're, 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 you're giving them that gift that God has given you of forgiveness. And um, you, you, you know, I, I, was on, I, I, li I was listening to a panel of leaders last year in Dallas, and uh, nobody asked me, but it's what I thought. They were asking me, like, what's one non-negotiable for you? And one of them was, I'm never going to be used for my gift. And I thought to myself, he clearly hasn't been in ministry very long. Because I want to tell you, if you really want to serve people like Jesus, you'll be taken advantage of, you'll be talked bad about, because that is the ministry of Jesus. I'm not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying you put yourself in a place to be abused. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if you're going to be guarded and not, I'm not going to let my, I'm not going to be, no man going to take care of it. Listen, when you really serve people, When you really serve people, there's times where I know I'm being taken advantage of, but I'm there to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have to lose all rights to not ever feel taken advantage of, 
If you don't like when people talk bad about you, you don't want to get in ministry. I know some leaders, every one of my church loves me. No, the ones that don't like you just don't tell you. <laughs> and listen, I want to love everyone. I want everyone to like me. I'm not trying to purposely be rude, but when you're a leader, you, you, you will make decisions that not everyone likes. Because not everyone can see what you see or hear what you hear. Here's another thing. You have to be able to be trusted with information and not feel a need to explain things all the time. When you're in leadership, you have to deal with, you have to make decisions and people go on the outside, that ain't right, they're taking, you know, they've been in this church 20 years, look at it, they take their ministry, and no one has any idea because you're protecting that person and their family what's really going on. 